The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. It is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, March 1st. Let's see your hands in the studio. Who's glad that February is gone? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. Uh, good morning, Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer. Good morning, gentlemen. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Good morning, Danny. And David J. Spano, our President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. And I think at market close on Friday afternoon, you said two words, good rally. Yeah, it was a good rally into the close. Thanks, Danny. You know, you have to look at really where we were for the week, you know, down 14% for this year, 4,000 points down uh, just in the week. And so you have to look at really what's going on and where it's going from here. And so we have to go and, and, and cover some ground here for sure. You know, one of the things I like to do when, when we have these down days is see if there's capitulation. In other words, is the selling exhausted? And what we saw going into the close, Danny, is a nice rally. We were down more than 1,000 points most of the day. And then the last half an hour, we saw a bunch of buying. Often, Derek, that's algorithms, that's uh, institutions buying and it's some retail buying but right now we saw a nice rally we're going to have to take another look at it on a monday morning and see if we have capitulated but we'll get more information monday morning yeah we certainly will i mean one of one thing i'm sure the pension funds were delighted a lot of pension funds rebalanced at the end of the month and they had an opportunity with the s&p as you mentioned down almost 14 percent for the week at the lows to go in and add equity exposure and reduce fixed income exposure because at the same time the stocks were cascading lower treasury yields were going to record lows we got to one 1.09% on the 10-year treasury. We closed at 1.12. The two-year is below 1%. And basically, the market is now looking for two Fed rate cuts in March. Yeah, that's right. In fact, the Fed funds futures is now pricing in a 100% chance that they will do that in March. You know, Mark, one of the things that we look at, and it's not a highly sophisticated number, but it is called the fear and greed index. It got down to 10. And explain to our listeners what that is. Well, think about it as a speedometer. You know, when you think about fear on one side and greed on the other it's a zero to 100 you know that's the, that's the basically the indicator when we have extreme greed in the marketplace you see that number coming up so if you see a number in the 70s 80s 90s that means that the market is greedy there's people that are buying you could think of the market as perhaps being overbought on the other side of it when you have the number that's down around 10 or 9 or something like that that's the other extreme you have extreme fear in the market and that means people are selling and perhaps the market is oversold at that point and that's what we have to look at is it oversold and a lot of times, the historical facts are you're going to try to bottom out, and you're going to see that as uh, as it, it moves around, right. and then it's going to rally, and then it's going to go back and retest that bottom to find this out. And so right now, this is not 2008. This is a correction. We've seen these before, Derek, just in this rally since that started in 2009. We saw one in 2011. We saw one in two, the summer of 2015, and again in 2018. What this isn't, in our opinion, this is not the cascading failure of financial institutions. This is a good old-fashioned correction. Right. The most recent one in 2018 where the S&P dropped almost 20% from its highs, that was when interest rates were rising, China was slowing, there were worries about trade wars and tariffs, and housing was slowing. Well, guess what? This time we had great housing numbers this week. Housing affordability
affordability is the best it's been forever. I talked to my daughter today about refinancing her mortgage, things like that. In addition to that, we have a Fed that's accommodative. You know, and Chairman Powell came out on Friday and said the Fed is prepared to act. And currently the market is, you know, in the past, when the market has predicted more than a 50% chance for rate cut, the Fed has followed through. So if the market is properly discounting the economic environment that has resulted in these lows rates, you can expect something from the Fed either sooner or at the March 6th, 17th meeting at the latest. And one of the ways to think about this is obviously this is the known unknown. We know we have a potential issue. We don't know really the depth of it. And one of the ways to think about this is if you're in the Midwest and you see, and they tell you you're going to get 10 inches of snow, and I know that down in Florida that, that makes you nervous, right? Or if you're down in, in southwest Florida and they say a hurricane is coming, you get prepared for it. That doesn't mean that the hurricane is not going to turn away and go through your area. It just means you're getting prepared for it. We don't know the depth of this market and in the last 15 seconds. What, what What's your takeaway on this? Well, I think at the, you know, when you look at corrections, you have to think corrections are natural. This is part of what happens with a market. And so the fact is, is that you look at this, there's a lot of people, a lot of our clients have been waiting for the opportunity. They've been waiting for a bit of a pullback. They've been waiting for a correction. People who have had money sitting on the sideline. So this can be looked at as an opportunity. I think that's the takeaway, the opportunity to rebalance the opportunity to reassess risk, the opportunity to look at do I put more into equities at this point in time at a discounted rate. Those are probably the takeaways, but I think it's also part of a conversation is sitting down with somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight, right? Somebody who's not going to try and sell you a product at this time, somebody who's going to be an advocate for you as a fiduciary and have an honest conversation with you about risk and your portfolio and what place it has in your financial plan. We would love to help. We are a Barron's Top Advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. Website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Still to come on the show, Sean Young, our senior tax planner, talking about small business tax planning. Jill Martin, our estate planning attorney, talking about estate planning mistakes to avoid. Got a lot more to come. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. It's time to put an investment and retirement plan in place and on target. It's time to gain clarity and understanding and move toward your goals with confidence. It's time to get started with Annex Wealth Management. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Put the Annex team to work and see the difference. Our investment, financial planning, tax, and estate teams will demonstrate clear thinking and produce sound recommendations. The best part? We work in your best interest as a fee-only fiduciary. Our commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing for every client. Does your advisor do that? 2020 is going to be quite a year. Between the impact of the SECURE Act to the November election, be ready with a solid financial plan from a team focused on client goals not handing you a list of commission products to buy. Know the difference. Team Tech Trust. Head to AnnexWealth.com. I'm Dave Spano, and I hope to see you soon. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Why extend your small business tax return? We're going to dive in with Sean Young, Senior Tax Planner, Annex Wealth Management, an attorney, master of laws, and is a CFP. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, Danny. Let's uh, start with some definitions. Within the tax world, what defines a small business? 
Uh, well, small business is kind of a misnomer. It really doesn't have anything to do with earnings and profits. It's more about the structure. So it doesn't have a specific definition per se, but it's used in the tax code quite a bit, as well as in the media. Sure, you hear all about it. Exactly. There's a small business there. Saturday. There's a small business sentiment. So you hear it a lot. Yeah, and it really has to do with the structure of the company. And, and I think when you get down to it, how many owners are involved in the company really comes down to an LLC, a sole proprietorship, or an S-corp as compared to a public C-corp. So LLC is kind of it that kind of sits at the bottom? No, it's not not, not at the bottom at all. Uh, a structuring a business as an LLC is more about legal protection. It's actually taxed as a partnership um, in most respects. So really, it's less about the, the entity formation itself and really about how many owners are involved in the company and how much control each one of those owners has in the actions of the company. Now, if a small business owner expects to be in the same or lower tax bracket in the future than they were in 2019 this year, is extending returns until September something to consider? And first off, why would somebody use that tactic? The tactic overall is really associated with trying to time items of income with items of deduction and credit in the same tax year. A lot of companies have different tax years than the natural person. So the person's tax year is always ends December 31st of every year, right? And, and the filing deadline is always April 15th, and you have your estimated payments. That's standard structure. For an entity, they can choose a couple of different methods, but extending on the entity front is going to be a month earlier than October for individuals. It's going to be September 15th. Why would they do that? Well, you're, you're trying to time items of income deduction credit with the applicable tax rates that you're paying. So I think in most years, you're going to have that analysis and it's something you want to pay attention to. Every business owner is aware of that discussion, I would say. And if not, they, they definitely should be. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Um, I think the sentiment that you're getting at overall is the notion that that might be applicable for 2019 because we're looking forward to potential changes, additional changes in the tax law, which I would have reservations about posturing. What if tax rates go up because there is a change in administration? Speaking as an agnostic tax professional, I would say that a lot has to change and a lot of things have to happen for anything to retroactively apply to 2019. The first point there is it's never happened. So retroactive tax law changes that apply an additional liability to folks that have already paid their tax bill is something that generally feels against public policy. Congress has never gone back and say, okay, we just came into power two years ago now, you owe us more in tax liability. That's never happened. And I really don't see that being possible now. Long story short, I don't see a compelling motive for business owners to extend their returns to September 15th of this year in order to prepare for possible changes in 2019 tax law. Okay, let's say somebody starts a small business, right? It's them, sole proprietor, and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they've got somebody working for them, and then business starts to take off, and they're doing well, and they're growing this business. Is there a point when they absolutely positively need to start thinking this way instead of just doing their yearly taxes? Exactly. That's something we preach constantly. It's not just about doing your taxes. So what you're doing when you prepare a tax return, what your tax preparer is accomplishing there is memorializing the year that was. And some tax opportunities can be reflected in how you're reporting them. There are definite opportunities baked into the process 
of preparing your taxes. But more importantly, it's everything that you've done in the tax year prior in real time that's memorialized your tax liability. We're only reflecting that in the reporting. We have to be thinking about planning all year round every year. I'm thinking of Jim Smith down on the south side. It's everything he can do just to keep the business going, which is growing. He would need to look to a competent tax partner. So not to add staff, but is do they need something like a, a virtual COO? Correct. That's well said. I think virtual COO is, is the perfect term. I think we're uniquely positioned here at Annex to have the technical resources in order to be that partner without charging the billable hour or without being on the payroll directly, right? I mean, I think the virtual COO is a group or an entity involved with you uh, in real-time planning uh, that you can come to at any time and talk through these things, but that has their heads in your tax picture, in your company's tax picture, such that we don't need to recreate the wheel every time you call with any question. We're projecting forward and we're ahead of the game as we go into these tax law changes, as we go into these potential political changes going forward. We're accounting for these variables. And if we already know the nuts and bolts of your company and how you're operating on that front, we're prepared to make proper decisions as these changes come to light. Excellent. It can be complex if you need a partner. Bannock's Wealth Management is here talking small business tax returns with Sean Young, Senior Tax Planner at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks a lot, Danny. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there, or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment. We're going to talk about estate planning with the estate planning attorney for Annex Wealth Management, Jill Martin. Welcome back. So you wrote a great blog piece, and that is available on our website. Yes, it is. So it's really talking about kind of what are the, the biggest planning mistakes that we see most common among estate plans that we review for clients and just things that we hear about in the community from other people? Let's go with the big three and, and not having the estate plan, using do-it-yourself software, and then relying on your neighbor and the legal advice. So let's go through those. What happens when somebody doesn't have an estate plan? And I can t- here's the spoiler alert. I think it's a big mess, right? It, it can be a big mess. Basically, what happens is, is there are state statutes that default so that there are rules that every state around the country has that says, if you didn't have an estate plan, this is what's going to happen. Because there are 60% of Americans that don't have an estate plan. There's a couple of things, right? There's during lifetime, you would need to have guardianships put in place if you don't have a health care or a financial power of attorney, which is someone to step in and make your decisions and manage your finances for you. 
During lifetime, it's critical for you to have two documents in place, a healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney. And that's where you select who's going to be that person that makes your healthcare related decisions when you're not competent to do so. And also who's going to be able to step in and manage your finances when you can't do it anymore. Any other mistakes that, that happen? I mean, that, that people all of a sudden realize when they're kind of wading through this? Again, the state provides default rules for who your heirs are, right? So it's generally going to follow your bloodline, your next of kin, so to speak. But what happens is if you don't want it to go to those people or if you don't have any children or grandchildren, and who do you want that to go to? Do you want it to go to siblings? Do you want it to go to nieces and nephews? Maybe not if you don't have a close relationship. So you need to do planning to figure out who that's going to go to. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. We're talking about the mistakes made with estate plans. Just talked to some clients yesterday and, oh, my neighbor, you know, she did this, she did that. And I said, well, I said that and that may very well work. But it was basically they, they researched on the Internet and picked a bunch of clauses from all sorts of different agreements that they like and threw them into a document. Right. I don't know that that's going to be great. It might have saved you some legal costs up front, but I can probably bet you that for every dollar you saved on the front end, it's going to cost your family and your kids three to four times what you saved in legal fees to clean it up on the back end. Your neighbors will always have an opinion on what yard trimmer to get or what estate plan to have. Absolutely. I'm all for the kibitzing around the coffee table, but what happens is, is everybody's got a unique situation. And so what your neighbor is going through from a financial standpoint or what their assets look like and their estate looks like, or even your parents or your siblings, everyone's in a unique situation. So doing just what you heard your neighbor talk about is not necessarily going to be the right fit for you. And so it's important to get a good advisor, whether it's a financial planner, a wealth advisor like we have here at Annex, an estate planning attorney, an insurance advisor, All of those people, you need to have your own team that knows your situation. So the last 10 clients that you've worked with, what would you say out of 10, how many were the same? Absolutely none of them. Let's talk about the legal nitty gritty. When they go awry with legally invalid documents, then that's really where the costs start to go up because you've got somebody that needs to wade through that. Every different document that is part of an estate plan has different execution requirements so that it's legally valid. There's little nuances in executing documents correctly, and a lot of people don't read the fine print, which is important in legal documents. Another mistake is the wrong individual as the power of attorney, the executor, or the trustee. That's a disaster in the making. It is, Danny, and it's one of those things that I don't think people think about it as much as they really should. You know, it's a big decision on who is going to be that financial power of attorney for you, who's going to be your executor or your trustee, because they're the person that's going to be responsible for A, following your wishes, but B, keeping everyone else informed. And you want to make sure that person is trustworthy, good with finances, is a good family communicator. It's not just a default to, I go with my oldest child and then the middle child and then the youngest. Like That's not necessarily the order. That And that's what a lot of people do. They just don't think about it. And they say, child one, two, and three. But that could get you into trouble. And I look at my parents as an example. My mom has two brothers. One was financially very, very savvy. One is one was not. not. (laughs) Um, And so there had to be a decision made there in, in terms of who did you trust. Okay, there's an estate plan in place, but things change. The estate plan needs to get redone a little bit. Right. So changes happen all the time, right? And so estate planning is never a one and done type of a deal. And so you want to make sure 
as things change, whether it's family, whether it's finances, whether it's tax laws, pull that thing out and dust it off and take a look at it. And that's one of the things I do at Annex for our clients is, is to do a comprehensive review of the current estate plan. We're talking about mistakes people make when they have estate plans. And the last one we're going to talk about is, is you've got the estate plan, but somebody better know where to find it. So that's a great one. And actually, you know, I just got a text from my mother-in-law last night. They live in Nebraska and they had all that major flooding. So their original documents are kind of AWOL. We don't know where they are. Now, we all have copies of them that she provided us, but the original will is basically destroyed. So it's important to make sure a people have copies of them, but it's also important to make sure that you do keep them in a fireproof and maybe a floodproof safe, depending on where you are, and that somebody has access to that thing. Joe Martin, our estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about mistakes with estate planning. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, and it's time to put an investment plan in place and on target. It's time to gain clarity and understanding and move toward your goals with confidence. It's time to get started with Annex Wealth Management, where our investment, financial planning, tax, and estate teams demonstrate clear thinking and produce sound recommendations. The best part, we work in your best interest as a fee-only fiduciary. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. I'm Dave Spano, and I hope to see you soon. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. It is Sunday. It is March 1st in Southwest Florida, and this is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here, Derek Felsky, and Dave Spano. Thanks, Danny. I just uh, want to go back to where we started the show, and that is really kind of a recap of the economics and the financial markets that have happened. And, of course, what we expect is going to happen going forward. I think that it's very likely that we're going to see that the Federal Reserve is going to come forward we look at uh, their likelihood that they're going to lower rates. It's 100%, according to the Fed Funds Futures, that they're going to give us 25%, and 50 basis points is a 94% chance. Why would they lower interest rates, Mark, when the rates are so low? What, when you start looking at what can the Fed do, what tools does it have at its disposal, and you look at it and say, what's the Fed's mandate? The mandate is to continue to have a growing U.S. economy, full employment, and a growing U.S. economy with stable prices. You've got a lot of those elements present, and the fact is, is that what they could do right now is try to goose the goose the economy essentially is to make money cheaper make the access to money more accessible for companies who then are incented to go out and spend some money whether it's hiring whether it's bringing on another shift whether it's doing M&A activity whether it's doing a number of different things those things are good for companies and it's good for the economy and you know, I always like to look at the data in situations like this and so you look at the data the consumer is still in good shape interest rates are low the federal reserve is acting. And so that is all a really good backdrop. And so, you know, if you laid it all out, Derek, we talk about a bull case, a base case, and a bear case. And I guess people are really interested in a bear case scenario. And that would be a 20% peak to trough retraction in the markets. And that means that we would get down to probably another 6 to 7% from where we are today. But if you look at 2800, in which it did touch on Friday, we saw that in January of 18, we saw it in October of 18, and we got to 2800 again. So as a base case, we're kind of there right now. The bear case would be another couple percent down to get down to 20% before we saw a, a bottoming out. I mean, my, my assumption is that the U.S. is going to follow the model of China. You know, remember in January, the, the virus broke out there. They've had 
80,000 cases, 3,000 deaths and the like. We have like, I think, 60 cases so far in the United States. And what do the Chinese do? They launched incredible fiscal stimulus. They cut rates and the like. And despite the carnage that's happened in the U.S. market in the last three weeks or so, Chinese stocks actually were rising. And that's because they expect that ultimately there will be better economic data that will be generated by those types of measures. And I don't know what Washington will do in, in terms of fiscal policy. It seems like they don't get along about it anything, but certainly monetary policy can can buy an insurance cut to get things to settle down, and we'll see how well we deal with this virus. It seems to me we're prepared for it. We've certainly talked a lot about it. Companies are canceling flights or canceling travel plans, and I talked to a doctor today and basically said, yeah, get a mask, wash your hands, don't touch your eyes, and remain calm. Yeah, that's right, and of course what you have to look at is this is indeed a fear trade, and that's why we like to go back to the empirical parts of it. I want to Harken back to our analogy, Mark, that if, you know, if you're down in southwest Florida, you have been through a hurricane, and it's not going to be the last hurricane right. that you go through. And so if you know that a hurricane is coming, what would you do? Well, I mean, you can do a number of things. You prepare for things. You, you get your boat out of the water. You take the hurricane shutters and put them on. You know, there's little things that you can do to protect yourself, and I think that that's what we're doing in our investment committee is we were thinking back in you know November and December, what if, right? It, it happened to be the coronavirus, I mean, and Maybe it's a presidential election. There, there was something that was going to happen in 2020 that was probably going to lead to a correction. We don't know what that was, but the last time we had an election in 2015, we got a correction just because you had the unknown and the known, right? And we're kind of looking at the same scenario right now. So our investment committee was prepared for this. We have looked at it and said, what are we going to do? The good thing is, is that we did have cash that we are now doing things with. And, and, let, me just, and let me just jump in. I know that we did that, and we, I don't want to spike the ball here on what, on yeah, what that, we I did. Mean, but the takeaway, I think, Mark, would be is if you're listening to the show and you are not a client, you have some type of asset allocation, and there's a pot, there's a place for someone to go. There certainly is, and you, it starts with that free portfolio review. If you haven't done that before, or you're not quite sure of what your portfolio looks like after last week, you could you know get together with us, and we'll go through that. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no commitment to do it. But at least looking again. Take a look back at your risk tolerance. Get a reassessment of your risk tolerance. Be honest with yourself about how you felt about last week in the markets when the markets were down every day. And you'd have to go back to that and say, what does my asset allocation truly look like? Not just this account over there or that account over here, but as a family, as a household, what's our true asset allocation? Where do we have overlap? How does that compare to our risk? Doing that free portfolio review right now would be a really healthy exercise as we start to get back into this market and see what happens over the coming weeks and months. And remember, asset allocation, let's just, Danny, go real quickly and say, say you had a 60-40 split or a 70-30 split, that means that the 30 is in fixed income. That's somewhere to go. Unless you had 100% in equities and you have to sell bad stocks right now, there's an opportunity to rebalance, there's an opportunity to take some money out of fixed income and invest it where stocks are cheaper. If you are a client of Annex, you heard from us this week. If you're not, did you hear from your person? So uh, take us up on that free portfolio analysis. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. While you're there, sign up for the Axiom, which is our free weekly newsletter. But again, a Barron's Top Advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. Know the difference. It is Team Tech Trust. See you in a week. Have a good one. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management 
a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. 